It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, here's JT the Brick. Uh, Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT here in Vegas. If you're listening on the Raiders mobile app, and you can hear us all over the world, like Crusader Raider, who texts me because he's listening in London, and we greatly appreciate that. There's golf today with Tiger Woods and the Daytona 500. That's the perfect weekend for me. I'm a massive Daytona 500 fan. I like NASCAR a lot, but I like the Daytona 500 better than most of NASCAR, except when we have two races now in Las Vegas. Great job at the Speedway here. We have two races here. One's a playoff race, which is nice. But when you get to the Daytona 500, I tell our new audience and our younger audience, if you want to get into NASCAR, and some people don't, I get it, but if you want to get into NASCAR, you have to watch the Daytona 500. With friends, cold beverages, a barbecue, just put it on, turn the volume up, and it's really a spectacular broadcast. What Fox does with NASCAR is as good as any media partner rights in all the sports. Our buddy Chris Myers is fantastic, and he'll join us afterwards to talk about it, but it's always a good event. It's a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to that. And if Tiger Woods can find a way to make the cut this weekend at the Genesis Invitational in Los Angeles, which is Hollywood, with all the celebrities there, and Tiger's walking the golf course on Saturday and Sunday, that'll be epic. (laughs) If Tiger's on on TV, because Tiger's at this stage now where he's not going to make all these cuts. That's the elephant in the room. Tiger's going to play just a smaller amount of golf tournaments, And when he does, he's got to make the cut. And then if he can make the cut, then something could possibly happen. There could be some uniqueness to him ending the third round three back or two back. And then the Internet will break if he wins a tournament again. And he's going to play in those majors. And that's what we want him to do. We want him to uh, show up in the majors and do well. Uh, Maury Brown is going to join us in a minute. He works with Forbes. I want to talk about some sports economics which he'll make very compelling and entertaining coming up here in a minute. And I spent most of the first hour talking about Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback scenario. Every show nationally, and a lot of them locally, want to stay with football. We don't want to run away from football, but it's the offseason. The Raiders are leading the charge because they released Derek Carr. And on top of that, they're in the market for a quarterback. And Devontae Adams has a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers. So that keeps this all moving in a positive direction towards Las Vegas. The issue becomes what happens if Aaron Rodgers says, you know, I need more time. I need more time. Well, he's under contract from Green Bay. Green Bay should be, he's not going to leave that money. The, The money that's owed to him by the Green Bay Packers is so enormous. It's beyond generational wealth. And that's at the very end of his career. If he was coming into his first big money contract and he was getting $60 million, say, over three or four years, that would be one thing. He's making that per year now. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to walk away from that. All right, Maury's ready. Uh, Maury's got a great gig, especially what he does at Forbes. He can talk business about every sport, senior contributor at Forbes. And Maury, thanks for getting back to me. I really wanted to talk to you about a number of issues, but I saw what was happening with Bally's Regional Sports Network and what was happening with this bankruptcy. 
And there's a lot of people that watch sports, and we watch FS1 or the networks or ESPN. How big of an impact can this bankruptcy have? Well, I think it's significant in the sense that um, it's possible to be the precursor for what we're going to see in the future. I mean, largely flew under the radar this week, but also on top of what's going on with Valley, AT&T's RSNs that support the Astros, the Rockies, and the Pirates, they shortchanged their payment to those clubs. So we're seeing a shift in the amount of money that's coming in to these RSNs. Whether all of them declare bankruptcy, I don't know. But it's pretty obvious that with the significant shedding of subscribers for traditional television and more people going to streaming, that the model was going to have to change. I mean, the, the money is so big. Um, I think the only thing that was maybe um, not seen was how fast it was going to happen. And I think the pandemic really accelerated that thing where subscribers were leaving traditional television. All right, Maury. So I'm a Yankee fan, as you know. So the Yes Network is always vibrant, right? Number one media market. They have that dialed in. Their local revenues is insane and what they are able to do with the Yankees. And then in Oakland, because we're talking about that with the Raider connection here in Oakland, they don't even have a flagship radio station, and I don't know what their television connection looks like. So does it seem like it's the haves and have-nots? Is this just the smaller market teams or some of these regional broadcast companies for Major League Baseball? Are there more in trouble than not is what I'm asking. Well, I think that, you know, and that's a good point because while it sounds like all of Valley is going to be hit, right, mm-hmm. um, I think that how this shifts, and look, Major League Baseball is talking about taking on um, buying their taking their rights back. It may not happen to all of them at once. And look, it's certainly not going to happen, I don't think, to all of sports all at once, right? I mean, it will come when these contracts come up. And so, again, I mean, Yes or Nesson or some of these other big markets will likely continue to move forward and maybe even have their contracts renewed and continue to go on as they are. I think the money is going to shift dramatically. But look, I mean, it really is something, you know, if you're a traditional TV person, I don't know how to tell you this, but pretty soon your television is nothing more than a streaming unit anyway. I mean, DirecTV is a great example. You're, You're all moving to DirecTV stream. Nobody's getting it off the satellite here pretty soon. And so that is going to be a shift. It's just what you're watching it on. So uh, I, I think that it, it, will, it will be a substantive change if this is what, what they call a la carte, right? Which is, mm-hmm. hey, I want to watch just my team, and I'll have an offering for it. It's going to put pressure on those clubs to be competitive, and that may be the silver lining in this for some of these teams that have just kind of hang along the edges and really have been living off of their media rights money, which is, again, locked in. Maury Brown is our guest, senior contributor at Forbes. Knows the business side of sports more than anybody I know. I love having him on. So let's stay with this for a second because you mentioned DirecTV. I've been a DirecTV football subscriber with the DirecTV package. It's a write-off for me. I'm in sports. I justify it every year. And then I have two sons who are 21 and 19, and everything they do is streaming. And they have passwords and accounts, and they have all this. And my wife was telling me the other day, she's like, get ready. We're, we're taking you off television and putting you on YouTube. And I'm like, well, how are we going to get that going in the backyard or in the upstairs room or our bedroom? She's like, we got it. 
but I'm going to have to change to YouTube TV. So what you're talking about is a younger demographic who's already moved on to streaming more, and then people from their 30s to their 60s or 70s going, hey, man, I better get up to speed pretty quickly, especially with my local sports teams on how I'm going to be able to stream them and find them. Yeah, and this is true. I mean, you're, you're either you're, you're either already there or you're being forced into it. Right. I mean, again, you mentioned YouTube, right, for the, you know, red zone. Or, you know, we're starting to see that where the NFL is going to move to that. And we've certainly seen, you know, Thursday Night Football go to Amazon. And, you know, MLS just inked a huge deal to where their basic, their package is on Apple. Mm-hmm. So it is going to be that. I think the thing that is going to be the most challenging is, Everybody griped and complained that, hey, look, you know, I mean, if you're a sports fan, maybe you're not into QVC or HDTV or whatever it is, yeah. right? And grandma might not be into sports, but when you purchased your package, right, your bundle, you got that stuff. And everybody complained that I don't want that stuff. I just want the things I want. Well, now what's happened is, is that we get option overload. And there's mm-hmm. so many streaming services. They all come with a cost. And there's a finite amount of money that people can spend. And so it is going to come down to picking and choosing, which, again, might be probably best for consumers. I come back to that thing that if, say, the Pirates or the Reds, right, which haven't been the bastions of really trying to compete recently, if they're forced into a situation to where their money is not guaranteed unless they put a good product on the field, well, by golly, maybe they're going to try. And I think that, again, this is going to happen. Now, smaller markets are are in trouble with that, right? I mean, you mentioned the Yankees, right, or the Dodgers or the Cubs, right, or, Mm -hmm. you know, any of the bigger markets that support these teams are going to have an advantage by pure size. So it might not be that way. But, again, if you're trying to um, keep fans or bring in new fans, well, I'm going to say that winning is probably the best way for that thing to happen. And I think that, again, that might be the silver lining of this whole thing. Maury Brown, as we wrap it up from Forbes, kind to give us a few extra minutes. I'm dying to ask you, you know, Vegas, where I am, we're going to have F1. And you know motorsports really well on the business side of it. Please tell our audience what's coming here. Because I just came from Radio Row at the Super Bowl. It was amazing to see a magnificent event in the Waste Management Open, which was much bigger than the Super Bowl when it came to crowd size and all the advertisers that were out there, the biggest companies in the world. We have F1 in Vegas before Mark Davis has the Super Bowl at Allegiant Stadium. What are you hearing behind the scenes about F1 as it's not that big of a landing strip anymore? This place is building, building, building to try to get the infrastructure ready for this race. Yeah, it's going to be huge. For one thing, it's a 10-year deal, right? So, it's it's here for a while. And look, it made sense. Liberty Media that basically owns F1, they they were the ones that basically put the bill to make this sort of thing happen. You know, we've got some of the casinos that are in, investing in this as well. But really down more toward, I guess, where the airport might be, there's a, a area down there, and that's all being developed. Yes. And I think that what you're going to see, what you're going to see, are major corporations and and major institutions coming to Vegas to party. And you're going to see activation for sponsorship on a level that Vegas maybe has never seen before like this. It's going to be so huge in that sense. So it's going to be wild. I think it's going to be a fantastic, visually, 
it's going to be insane. I mean, running past the fountains at the Bellagio alone <laughs> is just going to be extraordinary. And the, and all the you know, and the hotels are really making hay off this. I think a package for grandstands in front of the fountains at the Bellagio, and for two for the entire race weekend is six thousand dollars. You know, with a room, right? But still, six k is nothing to sneeze no. at. Is it? You know, is it at the level of what you pay to get into the Super Bowl? No, but Again, it's, you know, F1 is just now starting to break into the United States like it used. I mean, people forget that Vegas had it in basically the parking lot of Caesars prior. For one year, it was considered the worst F1 race in history and went away. And now I think it's here to stay. I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing um, gets extended at the end. I think the visuals will just be incredible for everybody. One more from Maury Brown from Forbes. Finally, baseball in Vegas. I'm not pro A's. I don't like the way they did business with the Raiders. I don't like the way they negotiate. This is fact, not fiction. And I don't like the way they're treating their fans in the Bay Area because they've run out of options now. Their fans aren't going to attend if they feel like Vegas is being held over their head. And they haven't broke ground or agreed to anything. So the earliest a baseball stadium in this great city, and they could build fast, as you know, we're talking two seasons from now. They got a minor league ballpark where they can park them possibly, but... What are you hearing about the A's and what they're negotiating in good faith and what Vegas thinks about baseball making this happen? Well, I think, you know, I mean, gosh, good faith. What is, what is that with all this yeah. stuff? It, it, it gets into a very gray area, right? But look, I mean, Man, Rob Manfred met with the media yesterday as part of spring training. Um, he mentioned that everything right now is really focused on Vegas. But again, I don't see anything happening on the public side i mean it's just going to be really hard to swallow given everything else that's in there to try and get the amount of money that john fisher who owns the a's wants to see now look if he can get some other development around it and offset the whole thing again i i still think attendance would would be marginally better than we see in oakland i just i think it's already oversaturated in vegas Mm -hmm. you know i mean if the nba somehow squeezes in there before baseball it's really going to be bad so Baseball is different. I just don't see it as a, you know, let's let's go on vacation. I guess people wanted to travel around and visit ballparks might see it. But it's not like the NFL for sure. And certainly, at you know, the NHL getting their foot in the door first really gobbled up a lot of the local um, fans, I think. So, I look, I, it's still all questionable to me. I mean, Oakland mm-hmm. could get the thing done. I think that the Rays may potentially get their ballpark thing done. They look like they're going to build it. Tropicana Field site. They may get that done before the A's do at this rate. So, um, again, it's they've been pining for a ballpark since Schott and Hoffman owned the A's, and that's been over 20 years ago. Thank you, Maury. I love our conversations. And with Vegas, what's happening with the Super Bowl and F1, we'll do it a bunch with you. Thanks so much for your time. Have a great weekend. All right, JT, you take care of yourself. Thanks for having me. You got it, Maury Brown. Hope you enjoyed that. He's, he's really sharp on what's happening. I like to talk about the economic impact in every market, no matter where you're listening. You can be listening in Cleveland today or Detroit or Miami on this great mobile app that we have from the Raiders. gives us a national show. What's building up here is very intense. And if the hockey team would get their team together and healthy, we could be talking about a Stanley Cup run. Let's not forget that. If Mark Stone was healthy and came back and this team was able to be at full strength, there should be some Stanley Cup vibe. There's some Super Bowl vibe if Aaron Rodgers comes, even though that's a reach. But then you got F1 in the Super Bowl, and that's going to carry this market 
for an entire year. As we're sitting here, what's today's date on my phone? It's February 16th. When we're sitting here a year from now, February 16th, hopefully all of us, we're going to be coming off the Super Bowl in F1, and it's going to redefine everything in the city from hotel rates, capacity, activations, uh, great events, what we compare other events to. I just can't wait to see it. Tiger Woods with a bogey on the third. So Tiger Woods is, what is he now, one over. The leaderboard at the Genesis, Max Homa at seven under, John Rahm at six under. So you got a couple of guys already, Kuchar at five under. Uh, Rory McIlroy's playing with Tiger, and they're on the fourth hole, and this is going to be the rest of my day, man. I am sitting outside watching this. Excuse me, they're on the fifth. Rory's playing with Tiger. Tiger's even, Rory's one under. To see two of the greatest golf, you know, I think participants in the last 30, 40 years playing together, that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, you've been patient. Appreciate it. If you want to get in on the quarterback issue that we're talking about, I'm also going to jump in on to the legacy topic and what is the dynasty coming up. What do you feel is the dynasty at JT the Brick on Twitter? Gary Lawless earlier just said you have to have three in a row. I don't think you have to have three in a row. I think three is the minimum. You have to have three. And you can do three in four or five years, three in six or seven years. you got to take into account when you lose. If you lose and don't make the playoffs and then the next year you win, how could you be a dynasty counting the year you didn't make the playoffs? It's got to be tight, condensed in a short period of time. And I only bring this up to everybody because the Chiefs are rolling around and acting like they're a dynasty. And they're not. And I think it's important that Raider Nation kind of rolls that back and peels that back in. There's Tiger, who just hooked his tee shot. Here we go. Tiger's got an army of people following him in Los Angeles. Thousands of people following him, and he's walking with a limp. It's like an old boxer, man, that you know, you're hoping in the first couple of rounds got his legs going, and Tiger's walking with a noticeable limp and kind of hitting the ball all over the park there. Uh, more on that coming back on the other side. We'll stay with this conversation on a dynasty And I'm open to the top of the hour. You can get in at 702-365-9200. Brought to you by the fighting spirit of Modelo. Think of Modelo when you go to a restaurant, a bar. It's right there on tap. Whenever you go to a sporting event, ask for a Modelo. Phenomenal beer. Tremendous partner here on Raider Nation Radio. And we do the post-game show from the Modelo Cantina Lounge at Allegiant Stadium. Going a little overhaul going on at the stadium with some new suites going in. JT, right here on Raider Nation Radio, the flagship of the silver and black. This was the best season of my life. I owe it to you guys. I owe it to the guys on this stage. I owe it to everybody in Chiefs Kingdom and the organization that we've be able to, been able to create. Everybody's asking, this is a dynasty. It's been a dynasty. Okay, that's off the Chiefs victory parade yesterday, championship parade. Whatever you want to call it, and I didn't want to play that for obvious reasons, but I had to to kind of frame this topic. JT, welcome back. As we continue here, a lot to get to as I roll on here. On a good day today. Today is a really good day to be on the radio. I'm pumped up. There's a lot to say. Raiders, Raiders, Raiders quarterback talk. As you've heard earlier in the show, it's the big topic. Everybody's talking about it. We're talking about it. And we're evolving with the topic when we get more information. Now, Peter Schrager said earlier today that, 
he's hearing that the Raiders are talking to quarterbacks or talking, inquiring about quarterbacks on other teams. You know, not just potentially wanting Aaron Rodgers for Devontae, but maybe there's some quarterbacks on other teams they could trade for. That's what he was insinuating, which is fine. He's a good reporter. And if you look at what happened with Mike Florio, who was on with us earlier in the week, Mike Florio mentioned Mac Jones potentially in a trade. That would be out there, but not too far-fetched. And Baker Mayfield, which I got a few tweets on about that. But I want to go back to Kansas City's parade. And I didn't watch it. So I didn't watch it. It's, it. it sickens me that they had that parade. It sickens me that they won the Super Bowl. The only reason I picked Philadelphia, because I wanted Kansas City to lose, but I thought Philadelphia was the better team, so I'll acknowledge that. But I was all in on Buffalo all year. I still think Buffalo is a better team than Kansas City roster-wise. I really do, and that doesn't matter much. When DeMar Hamlin went down, that was the end of that, and it was the end of that. I spent time with Jim Kelly on the radio, and we should grab a piece of that or play some of it uh, tomorrow possibly, Bobby. But uh, Jim Kelly and I talked privately and on the radio about what happened with the Bills once Hamlin went down and what could happen to a team when something like that happens. So Kansas City has this parade, and it's about two things. One, we're going to bring it back next year. Every parade that's ever happened in any city after a championship says the same thing. We're going to bring it back. We're going to have this beer. We're going to be here next year. Steph Curry, we're going to be here, Oakland, next year. And sometimes they're right. But I don't think they're a dynasty yet. And it's starting to leak into the media more and more that they're a dynasty. Whatever other shows you listen to, be aware of it. I've been telling you about this. It's starting to dribble in that this team thinks they're a dynasty, and they're not a dynasty. They're not a dynasty because they've only won two. And, you know, the one they won, Super Bowl Four was with Len Dawson. So for me, again, if you're new to the show, if you've heard me say this before, I believe a dynasty starts with three. You got to have three before we can talk dynasty. That means if you've won back-to-back, if you've won two in a row, you're on the verge of being a dynasty. But you are not a dynasty at this point in time. So I put out that tweet earlier today because I got up, had my coffee, walked my dog, came back, threw on some sports TV, and there it is again. And here's the tweet. Five hours ago, the amount of sports media members who think that two Super Bowl wins over four years is a dynasty is alarming. We can't continue to give people microphones who don't understand the basics. And some of the responses were pretty interesting. Zig Fricasse, who's on SiriusXM with me, said, and I thought he nailed that the era of participation trophies, three straight championships is the starting point. Uh, another one, Jake Rongholt who's verified with a blue check mark, not like that matters. He said the rule of a dynasty is winning at least three or more in a decade. And he went on to talk about it. And he said two Super Bowl wins, congrats. Yeah, yes, in the NFL too, dynasties are three in a decade. And I said, wow, that's interesting. I don't agree with that in a way. Three in a decade if they're all spread out. Eh. The problem with the amount that you get in a decade is if you lose or don't make the playoffs, your dynasty stops. You can't have a dynasty anymore. You don't see the 07-11 Giants or the 97-98 Broncos as a dynasty. And I thought that was a really good point. So it starts with three Super Bowls, I think, over a short period of time. So, again, I believe that if Kansas City wins next year, and they actually believe they're going to win next year, and that's what also pisses me off here on Raider Nation Radio. The, The team that wins the Super Bowl at the parade as they're drinking and wearing ski goggles and they're all lubed up, 
you better believe they think they're going to win again. They think they're going to win again. Travis Kelsey had a diamond Bud Light necklace. And I was looking at that. That might have been the most bizarre, trashy thing I've seen. But I am telling my sponsor, Modelo, I think that JT the Brick in third person needs a diamond Modelo necklace like Travis. I've, I've done more for Modelo than Travis Kelsey's done for Bud Light. Right? I love Modelo. My bucket of Modelo coming up tomorrow. But back to Mahomes. Oh, you don't respect us. Microphone. You don't, they didn't respect us. And everyone's going crazy. This is a team that's been a favorite to win every year for the last five, six, seven years. And they have that chip on their shoulder that no one believes us. It's us against the world. Give me a break. If Jacksonville won the Super Bowl and they went to the playoffs, if Jacksonville won and said no one believed us, yeah, I would agree with that. If the Tampa Bay Rays went to the World Series and won and said no one believed in us, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't believe in that crap for the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's get that out of the way. But what I did also this morning was I sat back and I looked at the recent dynasties in sports and wanted to make sure I was prepared on this. So let's start with baseball. Uh, Baseball, the Yankee dynasty, and I'm talking recent. I'm going to talk from the mid-90s to today, 2023. So if we go back, let's go back 25 to 30 years because there are a lot of dynasties in sports before that when there were less teams. And with the Yankees, when the Yankees won in the 90s, They won three in a row, 98, 99, 2000, and also in 96. So they won four out of five, three in a row, without a doubt a dynasty. But that brings me to the San Francisco Giants, Bruce Bochy, from 2010, where they won, and then they didn't win the next year, the Cardinals did, and the Giants came back in 2012 and won, and then they didn't. In 2013, the Red Sox won, and then Bochy won his third in 2014. So from 2010 through 2014, the Giants of San Francisco won three. I'll give that a dynasty. You don't have to. You might think it's a dynasty already. But I'm trying to frame what they were able to do, how they won three out of five, and the Cardinals and the Red Sox were there. But they did a nice job. So that's a dynasty for me. And then since then, we haven't seen one. So the last dynasty in baseball is the San Francisco Giants. We all agree with that, and considering the Dodgers seem to win every year, and they're not a dynasty because they've only won one recently. Then I went to hockey because the Golden Knights here are trying to win their first, and I'd like to see that happen. So I started looking back, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I'm going to go see play Saturday night, everybody, the Lightning are in town here. Can't wait. I'll be at that game. Lightning won in 2020, 2021, back-to-back with John Cooper, As their head coach, that's it. They won two. They're not a dynasty. Let's call back-to-back. And then I went back to the Penguins of 16-17. They went back-to-back. That's not a dynasty. Now, the Blackhawks were close. The Blackhawks won going backwards in 2015, in 2013, and 2010. So here's a good example. Starting in 2010, the Blackhawks won their first with Joe Quenville. The next two years, the Bruins and the Kings won. So we can't count the first one for the Blackhawks because the following two years they didn't win one. So they won one in a row. Then the Blackhawks won two out of three. So that's three in a decade, 2010, 2013, 2015. That's stretching it out. And a lot of fans who are listening in Chicago or Chicago fans would say, yeah, we're a dynasty. I grew up in hockey in the dynasty in my high school years. The Islanders won four in a row and how about this for hockey fans here the islanders won four in a row all four years i was in high school 
my freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior year in high school. Four in a row. They used to bring the cup to my high school, Farmingdale High School, because I went to a really big high school in Long Island. I think my graduating class was 400 and something. We had a big high school. So I grew up understanding a dynasty as a Yankee fan and seeing the Islanders. And then after the Islanders won that dynasty, they lost to Edmonton. And Edmonton and Gretzky won the next four out of five. So we had two back-to-back dynasties in the 80s in hockey. So I covered off on that. And then let's get to the NBA. The NBA gets a little bit tricky. And we'll start with the most recent dynasty was the Warriors. The Warriors won last year. But the year before that, they didn't make the playoffs. So the last NBA dynasty is the Golden State Warriors, led by Steve Kerr, in 2015. They beat Cleveland. Now, the next year, they lost to Cleveland, if you remember. Then they won two in a row after that in 17 and 18. So the Warriors, a dynasty in the NBA because they won three out of four. And then you can go back to San Antonio and the Kobe Lakers, and then you have to go all the way back to the Lakers of 2000, 2001, and 2002, which really is the perfect dynasty. I saved the best for last. The Kobe and Shaq three in a row is a beautiful dynasty. That's the definition. Three in a row, you don't have to massage it out to three out of five. You don't have to do all that. We know what the Patriots have done. But I went around the block with you there for about 10 minutes trying to tell you, and I got to be careful about this because I look like I'm whining because Kansas City won the Super Bowl, and there's a lot to that. But when they're all drinking and they're all getting lubed up and they're on those buses and they get to the parade route and people start to drop dynasty, dynasty, the hell with that. So for me... That's a motivating factor. I don't think it's the motivating factor of whoever's going to be the quarterback of the Raiders. They're always going to want to beat Kansas City. We all want to beat Kansas City. But if Kansas City wins one more, they're a dynasty. And if they don't, we can look back on the Kansas City Chiefs under Andy Reid and Mahomes winning two. And tip my cap to them. Those are two great Super Bowls, especially this last one, as we put it to bed, as they were down double digits with a quarterback who was not 100%, and they dominated Philadelphia in the second half. Raiders got a lot of work to do. They got a lot of work to do in the division. I think they match up good with the Chargers, and the Chargers got a hell of a roster. They match up, I think, better than Denver, depending on what's going to happen at quarterback. But Denver's got a hell of a coach now in Sean Payton, and they got one of the best secondaries in all of football. The Raiders have one of the worst. In a quarterback-driven league, in a quarterback-driven league, luckily the Raiders have the best rusher and the best wide receiver. But in a quarterback-driven league, Denver has about as good of a secondary as you can put together. And Kansas City's not too far behind, as we saw in the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl. So as much as we've been talking quarterback here, man, I'd love to see Dave Ziegler get a starting cornerback who's elite. And we'll have the list of the free agent corners who are out there. And the price might be high. But if they're going to overspend on Aaron Rodgers, I'm all on board with that because he costs a lot of money. It'll be $60 million that first year. It's a lot of money to clear, as Vinny told us yesterday, off the cap. But if they don't get Aaron Rodgers and go in another direction, I really hope that they're able to secure a starting cornerback, not a kid in the draft who's never played a bleeping down in the NFL. You get that guy in the second, third round, you groom him. The Raiders have not had a recent good history. They've had a terrible history of cornerbacks. Damon Arnett. Right? Remember these names? Gary on Conley. This is a new regime, but the last couple of ones who went after these cornerbacks, they've been a disaster. I like when they brought in Casey Hayward, right? Casey Hayward came in, and Gus Bradley had a shutdown corner who played at a Pro Bowl level, in my opinion. Very good player. Rock your sin. 
I wasn't that impressed with Rocky Sin. I thought he was good at times. He's not a shutdown corner. Look at the averages and look at the stats of that defense. So I'm running around the block. Let me get out and come back here, but I will say this again. Kansas City's not a dynasty until next year if they win again, and that'll be our focus to make sure that doesn't happen. Thanks for coming back. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Uh, jump on in on Twitter and your definition of a dynasty, at JT the Brick. I think we've nailed who the last dynasties are, the Warriors in the NBA, the San Francisco Giants in baseball, and then you can go back to two Tom Brady dynasties. He had two. He had two, one early in his career, one on the back end of his career. The six combined championships he's won, you can break him back into two groups of three. Yeah, Brady's got the dynasty. But hell no with Kansas City. As I continue, brought to you by the 872 Laborers, led by Tommy White, as they build Las Vegas quickly, safely, and on time. The haters were saying the Chiefs were done. If you knew the Chiefs were going to win the division, let me hear you say, hell yeah. All right, now. That's Travis Kelsey. You see how he acts at a parade? You hear how he acts and looks at a parade? And he's going to be the greatest tight end of all time. No debate. Other than he or Gronkowski. And, you know, there's great ones. Dave Casper is one of the greats of all time. Big fan of Todd Christensen when he's with us. Kellen Winslow Jr., John Mackey, Mike Ditka, Travis Kelsey at a parade, as I mentioned, with a Bud Light, diamond-encrusted Bud Light necklace, acting like an idiot and really believing that everybody counted him out, which is remarkable to me. He truly believes this, that everybody thought that the Chiefs wouldn't get there or the Chiefs weren't any good. And that's what we're dealing with in the Raider Nation. He has been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare for the Raiders to guard. And in that last Super Bowl that we just watched this past Sunday, the Chiefs ran two plays that were brilliant at the goal line in the red zone where Philadelphia, one of the best teams, if not the best defense in football this past year with the Niners, didn't know how to guard Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy's basic put guys in motion and have them cut back a pivot play and both those guys were open by 10 to 15 yards so i'm hoping because i know i've seen it throughout the decades that josh mcdaniels has a playbook now that Derek carr is gone and Derek could run a lot of those plays he could run some of them but josh mcdaniels is trying to find a quarterback with a little bit more mobility that can run some of the plays that he has to have in his playbook that's going to take the raiders to the next level So now the standard, I've always said this, it's the ultimate compliment that I could send to Josh McDaniels, is that there's no human being that's ever lived on God's green earth that has more championship rings than him at calling plays. We all get that, including Andy Reid. Andy Reid's won two Super Bowls. Josh McDaniels, the play caller in six, offensive mind in six of them. So he wasn't the head coach, and I know that. But what he did was he called the plays. Belichick didn't call any of them. Zero. Now, I'm sure Belichick told him, hey, Josh, we're down 28-3. to Open it up. Let's go. Let's get back into this game, whatever it was. But we're looking at a point now with Josh McDaniel's playbook. Whatever he has and held back because he just wasn't comfortable or Derek Carr wasn't great at it, he was maybe good at it. The next quarterback, especially if he's young, 
like Mac Jones was his first year, could be developed into a quarterback that can run that type of offense. Because that's all I got. Because these Andy Reid plays now are getting crazy. These Andy Reid plays are getting nuts. Like, no one can defend this. Like, they put Kadarius Toney in motion. Kadarius Toney was dumped by the Giants. He, he got run out of New York in the Giants. He goes to Kansas City. He has the longest punt return in Super Bowl history. And he catches a touchdown when no one guarded him. No one even guarded him. And Sky Moore. You ever hear of Sky Moore until this year? No one's ever heard of him. He comes into the league, scores a touchdown in the Super Bowl. No one even lines up and defends him. Darius Slay, number two for the Eagles, bit on the bait. They put him in motion, ran to the middle of the field, and Slay kept running. And he pivoted and caught a ball, and there was no one to be found. That can't happen again. Can't happen for Kansas City against any team. And you can't say it should happen against the Raiders ever again. Patrick Graham has got to be aware of the plays that Kansas City is going to be running at Allegiant Stadium in Arrowhead and make sure that we don't get tricked anymore. We cannot afford to get tricked anymore by some of the plays that we've seen over the years. Jonathan Abram was a big part of it. Those guys were licking their chops when they saw Jonathan Abram out there. Basically, under both regimes, look at this. We're going to put Jonathan Abram out there to guard who? Tyreek Hill? Travis Kelsey? Now they got Sky Moore, Tony. They got some good players there. They're going to run the same plays that the enemy thing works at Allegiant Stadium. And they're going to keep running them until they stop. Tiger Woods at even par. Uh, Tiger made a gorgeous approach putt, which almost went in. And Tiger's got a massive crowd at the Genesis Invitational over at Riviera. Jay in Vegas. Jay, thanks for waiting. You're up next. What's happening? Man, I almost threw up in my mouth listening to those cuts of that parade, man. Yeah, Uh, it was tough. What's up, JT, man? Look. I need to speak to Raider Nation, man. I, I need to give them a, a, a perspective, if you will, JT. Of, of And I'm not speaking to you because you have a clear understanding of what this team, where this team needs to be at. But I need to talk to the Raider Nation and the, and the fans that don't live in Las Vegas, that live all across the world and the country, everywhere. Look, when, last time I talked to you, JT, it was when they benched Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And I was, for one, I, I told you, I pushed back on you. And I told you, look, man, I don't want Tom Brady. I don't want Aaron Rodgers. We need to get move out, find a way to get C.J. Stroud, develop him, and, and build up that defense. Yeah, well, I told you that uh, that was before Kansas City was a Super Bowl. That was before uh, Kellen Moore gets hired to coach, the, uh, you know, a better quarterback than Dak Prescott uh, and, and Justin Herbert. And mm-hmm. that was before, uh, you know, Sean Payton gets hired uh, with the Broncos. So I have done a complete 180. Wow. I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I need Aaron Rodgers. We need him here. And 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 this is and this is the point that I need to make, JT, for all the fans that don't live in Las Vegas. And and this is the biggest thing. It is the dynamic of the city of Las Vegas. Why we need Aaron Rodgers, JT. The city of Las Vegas, compared to any city, not just the NFL city, JT. I'm talking about a, a city that has a professional sports franchise. Buffalo, Green Bay, Utah with the Jazz, Sacramento Kings, you name them. JT, this city in 50 years has either leapfrogged or become that city's equal. Why? Because this city does not have time or patience to wait around for you. This city, JT, I know you know this because I know you, you drive down the mm-hmm. 215. You see that building, the Durango Station going up? How fast is that thing going up? How fast did the Legion Stadium mm-hmm. get built? It got built ahead of time. Why? Because this city does not wait around for nobody. And you know what? Mark Davis himself said it. He didn't like the way the attendance went last year. Well, you know what, man? If we draft 
a quarterback and roll sit him out there and we start off the year two and six, what do you think Allegiant Stadium is going to look like? No, uh-uh. We don't need that. We need Aaron Rodgers, and we need him yesterday. Thanks, JT. Yeah, I think that's a great phone call because he says, he says he's changed his mind. I often change my mind, but when I go with something on the radio, I go strong with it. And then if you take it away, then I just pivot and I try to keep the show going. So I was all Tom Brady a couple of weeks ago, and then he retired. He retired. I thought Brady by now would be making the decision. He would have retired after the Super Bowl. I didn't think he'd retire before the Super Bowl, so he was priority one. Now it's Aaron Rodgers, and he's gone dark. He's already started. I think he started it today, this darkness retreat. And he's going to be off the radar for four or five days. I think he's going to come back and go on with Patrick, Pat McAfee on Tuesday. I believe that's his place. He'll come out of it. They'll goof around and say, what was it like? How'd you go dark? How do you feel now? How are you sleeping? How does it feel? And he'll, they'll have fun with that. And then Pat McAfee will ask him, have you decided what you want to do? And what makes this topic so complex is he's under contract from Green Bay. What Aaron Rodgers brings to Las Vegas is he's a guy if the Raiders trade for him, say it's a two-year deal, there's a 99% chance after one year he's going to say, I'm going to go on a retreat, I'm going to do a yoga cleanse, and I don't know if I'm going to come back and play. And everybody in Raider Nation would be like, what are you talking about? You just signed a two-year deal. We're giving you $60 million a year. <laughs> You're going to think about it? He does that automatic now. All he does is sign deals to make maximum money and then hang out on the fence and say, I don't know if I'm going to come back or not. And he can do that because he can pull that off. He has such power in this league. He's so talented. He can do it. And if you're able to do that, you can pull it off. Why not? The ego of athletes, when they can back it up, second to none. And he's near the top of that list. JT, thanks to Bobby. We continue Raider Nation Radio at JT the Brick on Twitter. I am very rusty, but I've come off rusty situations before and I've done well and uh, I've had to utilize a lot of those tactics in practice and, and build up and plus also I know this, this golf course. That's Tiger Woods who just hit a brilliant bunker shot. Uh, he was in a fairway bunker and put it five feet from the pin. So Tiger Woods is in 60th place, but he just got out. He's on the front nine at the Genesis. So I'm watching golf the rest of the day. Also, Netflix has their new documentary series out on golf, which is really good. I watched episode one. We have the Daytona 500 coming up this weekend. So tomorrow, which is Friday, I'm hosting Mad Dog Sports Radio from 9 a.m. till noon, and then we'll jump into here and do noon to 2. So tomorrow I got a little double dip in. If you have SiriusXM, check me out tomorrow morning from 9 to noon on Mad Dog Sports Radio, and then we'll jump in and do this regular slot on a Friday you know, a week ago on Thursday, we were on Radio Row talking to all these big heavyweight guests, and now it's good to be back and kind of trying to find a groove here locally in town. A lot of good talk today. Thanks to Maury Brown, who was fantastic from Forbes. It was good to talk to him. And then as we jumped in and talked about this quarterback scenario and situation, I really enjoyed this topic. So hopefully there's more meat on the bone next week for that. Thanks again to Gary Lawless. The Golden Knights played tonight. Bobby, what time's the game tonight? You're running the broadcast. Jump on the microphone. What do we got tonight with the Golden Knights? I'll be there Saturday. It's a, it is a 7 o'clock tuck drop. They're taking on the San Jose Sharks. 
which is kind of their rival. And I think they've left that rival in the dust, but yeah. who could forget that five-minute major yep. that, that took a cup away from us, that the rivalry game. Yeah, you just got to remember the Sharks are terrible this year. Your bigger game is going to be on Saturday when Tampa Bay comes to town. Yeah, and I will be there for that. I'm looking forward to that. Wife and I are going to that game. And I can't wait to go. I, can't, I haven't been in there in a couple of weeks, so it's going to be nice to see some hockey live. So Tigers even on the 7th. He's putting for birdie, and he'll be playing uh, throughout the afternoon, which will be enjoyable to watch. Q is on deck. He's got a great show, as always. If you miss any portion of the show, it's at lvsportsnetwork.com. That's it for me. Hope you enjoyed everything today. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you on Raider Nation Radio. Without the Raider Nation, I don't got a radio show here. And we thank our proud partners for everything. Q on deck. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And if you're up early, 9 to noon on uh, the flagship of Sirius XM, Sports Talk, Mad Dog, Sports Radio. Have a great night, everybody. And listen to Q. He's on deck. See you then. Fever.